Welcome to the Chorus Podcast, your aggressively subjective barometer for culture and media. Where each week, your hosts, Stefan Voss and Bruce Stennel, will disregard the trends and headlines to focus on what's really important, what you should be watching, reading, and listening to. And now, on with the pod. Chorus Podcast with Bruce Stennel, Stefan Voss. Hope you're all very, very well today. You find me on the back of a music festival and three days Ooh, of events. Heavens to Betsy. How was it? Uh, How was Millie Pop? Millie Pop was lekker. Lekker? How'd your set go? Um, yeah, I thought it went well. Um, Very nice. It's actually a really, really nice... Uh, there's the sounds of young Jack in the background. A very nice... Um, sonically, a very nice setup for a band. Oh, lekker. So we've got um, drums... Young Calvin is playing the drums. Then Steve East is the singer and bass player who writes the material. So drums and bass. Then we've got um, Trevor Bello mm-hmm. playing the acoustic guitar and also singing all the harmonies and the odd lead vocal. So bass, drums, acoustic guitar. I'm doing electric, playing all the fiddly things. And then we've got a sort of keyboard guys doing kind of mostly piano piano very nice, very so sonically nice. it's actually a really nice spread and it's not super difficult to get a really really nice sound excellent and I was actually thinking about it the other day about uh, my confidence levels and skill or, or lack thereof and confidence and whatever but uh, I sort of, sort of said that I might not be this um, kind of gunslinger guitarist that you bring in to shred everyone's melt yeah, everyone's yeah. faces and technically this you know Nick Rush or whoever it is but what I have done over the last 20 years of playing guitar is paid a lot of attention to my sound and what I play in terms of fitting in with the band with what everyone else on stage is doing which any well not any but most sensible or I was going to say you know it's talking about the gunslinger but most people who are looking for something else are actually looking for that they may not have defined it as such yeah I, I, I didn't even think about it until this weekend and sort of thought well actually that's where all my or a lot of my effort has gone is in, into finding a sound that frequency wise fits in with what everyone else is playing and I'll tailor what I'm doing according mm. to that and also what I play is also listening all the time to what everyone else is doing and playing it's a lot of that, uh, that amazing hard one skill of not overplaying, or yeah, or uh, as a singer, not singing too loudly or too much or mm. too high or too whatever. I yeah. think what what might have planted the seed of that thought is I was watching a Tom Bukovac interview, and he was talking about playing with Joe Walsh from the Eagles, mm. who is just the most incredible guitar player. Mm. And and uh, Joe Walsh before Tom Bukovac started playing with him, Tom Bukovac's a Nashville session guy. Uh, Wadi Wachtel was playing for Joe Walsh. Now, Wadi Wachtel is a guy who's played with just everybody. You can look him up. Um, but Tom was saying, for him as a session guy, what what he did was when he got the call to go and audition kind of for the band, is he got all the albums out and all the bootlegs and everything, and he learned every single part. <laughs> and he watched them play, and Wadi didn't give a crap about anything that had been on the album. He is just this incredible guitar player mm-hmm. who gets up and plays what he thinks should be played in the song. Yeah. And he will even play solos 
while Joe Walsh is playing solos, like they'll play every <laughs> like he's just very, very confident and just he's a gunslinger. He'll go in there and can yeah, just yeah. smoke people. Whereas Tom Bukovac like was playing all the parts. A D E. Absolutely from yeah. the album. And then he didn't know like how it was going because he hadn't like spent much time with Joe and eventually at one point Joe called him in and said, Oh, you're doing a great job. Well done, man. That's cool. Joe Joe in interviews seems to uh yeah, seems to be Reaping the whirlwind of whatever he was getting up to in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, he's, uh, I think uh, uh, there's some some synaptic damage. There, <laughs> I think definitely. that's a very good way of putting um, it. But I'm not sure what he was Joe like Walsh as a young man. Synaptic so. damage. Yes, <laughs> I know. The I like that. That's that's like the uh, tired and emotional, which yeah. used to mean drunk. Yeah, for uh, all of their. Uh, I know somebody's got a bit of synaptic damage. Yeah. For uh, all of their soft rock <laughs> credentials, the Eagles apparently. Oh yes, no. rocker on the sex, drugs, yes. and rock and roll tip. They weren't. Uh, they anyway, weren't, I don't, welcome I to don't our believe podcast. they were in any way shy. Right? Are those both Cormac McCarthy books there? Yes, we shall talk about them. Shall we jump in with those? We I can. Know, Let's talk about what we're reading. Deal. So uh, Cormac McCarthy like is nothing, and then twelve books at a time. Uh, no, no, not really. Fine. Uh, he's. Sorry. By the way, are yes. you are you uh, enjoying your Cito nineteen seventy four? Coffee. It is. It's the Azul uh, iteration, and I love it. It's delicious. I have a sip right now. Where would you buy that if you were going to buy it, Stephen? I'd go online and Google it. Um, Cito1974.com. That's probably where it yeah. would send me almost that's, immediately. Uh, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd go there, Cito1974.com. Anyway, you were um, saying. Yeah, so on the reading front, I, I just uh, hinted at it last time we talked. Cormac McCarthy is considered a brilliant American writer. Some would say he's the greatest living writer at the moment. Quote um, marks would not. No. Um, so, what has he written <laughs> that people might recognize? Um, no Country for Old no Men. No Country for Old Men, which was made into a fantastic movie with Tommy Lee Jones. As an aside, um, uh, what's it, uh, uh, what, uh, Anton Shiro, who, who played him? Mm. Javier Badem. That was voted recently by some psychological body the best uh, depiction of a, of a psychopath oh. in, on film. Okay, the acting, the actual, the yeah, way he played yeah, it. The way he played it. Yeah. Anyway, it's on. a fantastic villain, old Shigur. Um, uh, All the Pretty Horses um, was another one that I think was made into a movie. I yeah, met, think met Damon. Uh, and The Roan. The, the Roan? The, the Road. The Road with old Vigo Mort, Mortgensen. Um, my favourite of his books, I really, really like The Road. I think mm. it's uh, an absolute classic. But he's also got a, a western called Blood Meridian, mm. which is unbelievable I think that's my favorite of his um, so I think he hasn't written in, in a good many years six years 15 years something ridiculous 28 um, 105 so yeah uh, his his latest work was released this year <laughs> it's called the passenger um, and song. it has it has a, song. yeah it has a, com- a companion book called Stella Maris it's nice when a book isn't lonely yeah it is wonderful um, he is just the most Incredible writer. Ah, <laughs> oh. listen, the stiff is leaning on the book in. Yeah, in, he just the emotion has overwhelmed him. Um, I'll just read the blurb, uh, the little bit at the end, at uh, the back of uh, the passenger traversing the American South, from the garrulous bar rooms of New Orleans or New Orleans if you're from there, to an abandoned oil rig off the Florida coast. The passenger is a breathtaking <laughs> novel of morality and science, the legacy of sin and the madness that is human consciousness. So it's quite a... Uh, Easy topic. 
well, he's quite a bleak, a bleak guy. Is mm, yes. into it. it's almost that's a good word for him actually. Nihilistic or not? Well, I don't want to get into the philosophy, grumpy. but it, he, it just if you if if you're a normal person, I, I think it's fair to say he usually comes across as grumpy in his writing. That's not to say bad or yeah, or I'm not sure. Or whatever. There's a strong uh, moral thing that can be picked apart, but it's always set within a very bleak kind of landscape psychologically and. Anyway, uh, it's set in more modern times than, say, Blood Meridian or, or, or that kind of thing. So um, it's about a, a man and his sister. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is, is Bobby Weston. Yeah, Bobby Weston. And she's Alicia Weston, as far as I remember. Yeah. Um, and he's a physicist. She's a mathematician. Um and uh, the passenger kind of talks about bo- follows follows Bobby West into to quite a large degree, and then there are these hallucinations that Alicia sees, and then you get these episodes where she's uh, commu- you know having conversations with these hallucinations. Uh, and I don't want to give too much more away than that, other than to say that the dialogue is crazy. He's got a very interesting approach to punctuation. Um, so there are some words that are have apostrophes and others that don't. It's interesting. Um, Must drive his editor absolutely. Nuts. Yeah, I don't know that he is edited much. Um, but the the dialogue, like the be pages of just talking, but it's so so realistic. You know, if you think of Mark Twain, uh, sort of talking or putting dialogue in the sort of patois of the, mm-hmm. of the particular culture group that he's talking about. This is also sort of hyper realistic in and the one thing that i noticed very quickly and this is so real to life is the repetition so i'll say nice day today and the other person will say nice day today okay yeah nice day today like <laughs> yeah so you'll get the same line just repeated which is something that people do yes. you'll be like oh you know oh i don't know about my knee today your knee today yeah my <laughs> knee's a bit sore like that kind of like it's it's just observational yeah it's so so accuracy. good then Stella Maris is the name of a psychiatric institution that Alicia as a 20 year old who with a massive like I think $40,000 inheritance or something arrives at and books herself in and these are transcripts of her psychologist who is interviewing <laughs> her um, and this one um, so it says you're told uh, entirely through the manuscripts of Alicia's psychiatric sessions Stella Maris is a searching rigorous intellectually challenging coded to the passenger philosophical inquiry that questions our notions of God truth and existence and it is all those things could it stand on its own yeah okay um, there's a lot of backstory though that mm. uh, no I'm just is, if you whatever you're shopping yeah. and you just see if you're into Stella philosophy Maris. and you want to tackle the, the deep questions of life this is Oh, my goodness. She, this Alicia, she plays a mathematician who is, I mean, I think she graduated from university at 16 or something. And because she's incredibly, can probably outthink her psychiatrist 13 different ways. So their sort of repartee is very good. Mm. Um, And, you know, it's it's very, very, very intellectually stimulating. Just with the, uh, the way he writes... Um, and yeah, as you say, with the, the punctuation and this and that, the next thing, if he, I just wonder how much thought he puts into sort of paragraph breaks and, you know, just in terms of, into readability, put it that way. It's very readable. Um, it is now, but I wonder, because you said you don't know if he's edited much. I wonder if it's, if oh, it comes in, in vast blocks of weird stuff and they've 
editors to put in uh, you know spaces I mean the chapters time. are relatively short and it is broken up like the passengers broken up to episodes of Bobby and what he's getting up to and then into um, Alicia and her encounters with these hallucinations so there are sections that are broken up <clears throat> quite nicely that in that sense so that might have been a bit helpful yeah mm-hmm. I wonder I don't know um, <clears throat> I just think as you said you know, he's, he also, he's just he's such a forceful personality and somebody obviously publishes mm-hmm. dream from a sales point of view that kind of thing so you don't want to mess with it but you, you might need to yeah just to just to get it in that shape to book. Yeah. I'm not I haven't read him for a while so I'm not sure how how it sort of fits into the canon and if it's very different or not um, it might be quite tough going um, it is uh, kind of postmodern in the sense that there are, are un- things that are left unresolved mm. when you get to the end of the book so I had a friend who started reading and he gave up on it and then thank you Jack Lisa. and then he sort of asked me oh what happened with this and I'll be like I have no idea no I don't know it's not answered yeah. and like main the main thing oh what uh, happened did they find out who the <laughs> no nope nope didn't find out who yes. the thing is who was the what what happened to the no it's no. all still in the warehouse yeah so yeah exactly in uh, the um, behind the levy what's the Indiana Jones that big warehouse that they at Area oh, 51 so at the uh, end Roswell. of yeah, it was, so so there's that massive warehouse where they wheel the Ark of the Covenant in, <laughs> and it's just shelves as far as you can see with all these government <laughs> secrets. So yeah, it's in uh, Cormac McCarthy's little secret warehouse of actually what. Nice. But um, I thoroughly enjoyed it um, and recommend it for anyone who reads Cormac McCarthy. I think is is you know the release of this is is approaches for me the release of a Pratchett or the release of an album by a mm. band that you just love and I mean, he, he does he does have that sort of effect he's uh, and you know for for what you mentioned the road and others um, that people know well he does really he's, he's going to stop you as you walk in the in the bookshop or the whatever you know he's, mm. he's, he's definitely one of those um, authors which is great I don't Lovely. like the covers uh, certainly not the covers the color scheme on they've ever published these it's a single so the single ones color schemes blue yeah. at the back and the spine That's and then nice. red on the cover and the other one's the opposite blue on the cover and red on the spine yeah uh, I mean yeah. it's nice pictures uh, what, 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 what would you have done I don't like this color I would have done this in sort of a sepia maybe and well, given it a bit more atmosphere this very very primary red and blue again though from a book a book shelf point of view it's probably going to pop out at you well, you know me and bookshelf. Really. There we go. Right, so... Um, what have you read? On to somebody who's a, a debutant. Ah. Uh, born in 1991, which oh barely God. makes him a human, Goodness. surely. But um, it's, this is his first book, and I'm going to get it horribly wrong. What's and I apologise, because he is of Ghanaian descent originally. Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. Ajay Brenya. Um, it's bloody brilliant. It's a book of uh, short stories. It's called Friday Black. Um, and which so you pick it up and you think well there's going to be some sort of uh, activism and this and that and the next thing which mm. there is um, but it's it's brilliantly done <laughs> say it like this it's brilliantly done it's very heavily done but in an entertaining way so he has the same sort of um, it's kind of satire by Stephen King almost you know it's just that, that okay, so heavy thoroughly but yes but, but so. intentionally so and brilliantly so and and kind of, if you finish reading the story, and you, and you haven't got the point, hmm. you are thick. Okay. You're pretty stupid. Um, you know, um, 
so I mean, there's yeah, there's just there's stories of of just white um, civilians, you know, getting away with with killing a group of black people, mm. a, a white civilian getting away with killing a group of black people because he said he was a bit scared, and then he kind of gets off. That's just the basic thing. Okay. So it's not a spoiler. It's just that's the it's yeah. the theme, um, but just how how ridiculous it is, which it is. But you also you you read that particular story. Um, and you you just think of way too many newscasts hmm. where that has happened. Hmm. So George George Floyd, you know, all the, hmm. whoever, you know, you shouldn't be kneeling on somebody's neck. This this is the key here. Yeah, all the rest of it is is diversion, um, whatever it is. Uh, you know, so that kind of stuff. I like that little a recommendation on the cover from Roxanne Gay. It's read it's, this book. Read this book. It's very to the point. Um, you know, there's another one called called Zimmerland, which is. <laughs> funny but terrifying apocalypse it's a, it's a kind of theme park sort of thing where Americans can go and it, it is it's aimed at Americans because of the gun culture but you can go um, and you have the people in there have suits and things which are, are protective and stuff and you can you can just shoot people shoot, yeah, but, 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 but there's a scenario where you know it's like so somebody's walking on the road and Again, in terms of the newscast stuff that you've seen here, mm-hmm. yeah. without watching much American news, you've, you've seen this many times. So it's just picking a fight with somebody who's outside because he happens to be black. Hmm. Making it a, a scenario where it wasn't a scenario. Making him a villain where he wasn't a villain. Hmm. And giving an ex- excuse, giving yourself an excuse to get a gun out. Yeah. Um, and this, these people have designed this theme park, they say, to, to help, you know, to release that sort of psychological and emotional okay, pressure yeah, by going yeah. and doing it in that scenario the but then you don't actually kill anybody and blah 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 but you ah just as a concept yeah and then the uh, the Friday Black refers to obviously now heavily satirical as well you know I'm the Friday Black so it, it's, it sort of minimizes his his value and whatever but it's about Black Friday and he's a, a person the character the narrator is a, is a person in a, in a shop but it's just again it's just massively over the top it's kind of Black Friday meets Walking Dead kind of like okay. they're just not, not, no zombies or whatever but just again it takes the, the stupid ridiculous behaviour of people on something like Black Friday particularly but mm. some, anything like that and it just you know it, amplifies it, it, it to amps it to demonstrate the, the stupidity yes. behind it so it's very very clever very nice. very good that um, sounds great Writing lots, you know, uh, what are they, uh, about 10, 12 stories. Um, and some of some of the characters recur, you know, so the, the guy in the shop sort of pitches up somewhere else. Hmm. Um, and again, just these lovely threads, you know, like blah, blah, he's stuck there because of his station in life, but he wants to be there, but he's, he's unlike, you know. So that's all in the middle of this amplified satire and violence and whatever else. Um, beautifully, beautifully written. What do you think of the collection of short stories uh, for an author as a oh there goes Jack as a um, launch pad into a novel? Because you, you I've seen this a few times where mm. you'll get a young author who releases a collection of short stories and there's a lot of fanfare around it and you kind of think maybe that's either either the author you know need needs a run up to get into a novel or it's a way to secure an advance to allow the kind of time they need to write a novel or i don't know i think all of that probably comes into it but i think it's also something that you either can or can't do if you think of people that have done it beautifully successfully amazingly memorably mm. you know the sort of names that come up are stephen king again mm. Roald dahl you know people like that who are 
yeah, in the top one percent of authors yeah. ever, kind of thing. Um, and I think there are yeah, decidedly I, different skills involved. Yeah, I think there are some who've released these short story things and have never written yes. a novel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think look, I think what we must also get, and it's a bit of an old fashioned thing, but it used to be a, a, a perspective is that you know writing short stories is less hmm. you're somehow less, a lesser writer but it is its own but it's its own again this is art. a sublime book and again this guy's young he's got whatever um, you know development going on there are recurring characters here it, it may be that it helps him to do that but in this case my sense would be that it would be a quality control thing hmm. okay. and he's probably you know if, if I'm making this up completely I don't know him at all but you know if, if he's wanting to um, to take go from this to a uh, to a novel he's probably going well I wrote something that was whatever 11,000 yeah. 11, words and I kind of felt to me that I was kind of running out of oomph and, and it wasn't as high impact as I'd like it to be and so on and so on so I'd like mm. to keep developing that but you know more power to his pen and all that because I'd as, as, as I said it was a debut Friday Black Nana Kwame Ajay Brinya yeah um I would love to read whatever he does next, whether it's short stories or a novel. Um, so job done in that respect. Yeah. And again, it's just, you know, it's this fantastic is... to discover somebody that you think yeah. is, wow, this is this is really somebody to watch. And also out of nowhere, because again, you and I grew up with the, again, the Stephen Kings, mm. we were after the Royal Dolls, but, but you know, just like these people coming, those, those are the, the big writers of our lifetime. Mm. I hope that he will be the big, the big writer of somebody else's mm. lifetime. What's interesting to me, because this, uh, I'm talking now mainstream against what used to be on the fringe. Um, so Hollywood's a good example now. Uh, Hollywood was the big movie capital of the world, right? Yep. Then you got sort of Nollywood and Holly, uh, Bollywood. But suddenly we've started to see these foreign language films come in a bit here and yep. and. and it used to be the thing that um, in developing nations, if you look at uh, African writers, for instance, as an example, this is a Ghanaian writer, um, you'd go to your bookstore and there'd be all these books and there'd be this little shelf, you know, pan-African mm-hmm. writers. Yes. And there may be one or two great ones. Um, but I wonder to what degree the advent of the internet and technology is leveling the playing field a bit more in terms of not only these authors' access, but their, their, the ammunition they have to produce art yeah, is yeah. far more. If you were in a living in a village in in you know Where, Zambia, yeah. and you wanted to be a writer, fifty years yeah, ago, I think very very very, different. very very broadly speaking, and I, I, hugely oversimplified, but you think of a lot of great African. Let's take Africa, particularly. I don't know South America or wherever as well. Um, but broadly speaking, the influences or the platforms from which to write are either their own culture, yeah. so it yes. might be mythology or, or history or yeah, if you think of whatever, whatever conditions and just uh, be, yeah, you know. beautiful things to write about, um, which might then come to you know like a Last King of Scotland kind of that wasn't an, an African author, but it might come to political uh, outcomes from those things um, or. Or the influence of outside culture on yeah. that culture, post-colonial sort yeah. of stuff. So I remember one of the first interviews I did when I was, you know, as an, for an author years and years and years ago, a guy called Chris Abani. I still remember his name. Also, a Ghanaian guy, but his his protagonist was called Elvis, and mm. the whole thing was that you know, his parents were so enthralled 
and so, so then became Elvis enthralled to American culture hmm. and the, how that sort of played out in his development because he, he was he was a Ghanaian in Ghana but his whole headspace was very interesting was uh, American but um, okay yeah okay. I, know, I think this is I'm very excited by this and as I said you know everything could also <laughs> if we live in a Netflix culture every, this would make uh, a phenomenal series mm. just as it's, just, Black, just do that Brenya just do is the surname do this as a series and the man's horribly rich he can go and spend as much time as he wants to on his novel sounds good um, but really highly recommended Friday Black yeah Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya and you are Kwame Kwame The Passenger and Stella Maris Stella Maris fantastic lovely things to read what would you like to do next good sir well, you've just mentioned Elvis, and I finally, finally got finally around heard of Elvis. to watching the movie, oh. the Baz Luhrmann. Oh, I haven't yet, so there we go. Carry on. Uh, movie Elvis. Now I've watched it during, the during load shedding, which means I've ended up watching it on a laptop, which for a Baz Luhrmann production is really sad. Um, You're really sad. Load shedding for our international listeners is rolling blackouts, which are now a part of our lives. In fact. For the last two weeks, we were dealing with about 12 hours of no power per day. But anyway, this is not a political podcast. So I was watching Elvis <laughs> by Baz Luhrmann. Now, I watched it also in, in segments because I couldn't watch it all in one. So all of this may con- have contributed to um, the fact that I maybe I just haven't watched the Baz Luhrmann. I found it quite jarring, but that's his style, mm. right? He, he'll pastiche yeah, things to, together. and Yeah. And uh, subtle, yeah. So um, the guy whose name now I had, Austin, somebody, Austin Butler, whatever it is. Yes, it is fantastic. Um, there's some great performances. Once again, unfortunately, for me, Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks. Uh, Even if he has uh, a buttload of prosthetic makeup a load on, of butts on his and phone. he is playing Colonel Tom Parker in a fat suit with an extended nose, and we, I cannot not see Tom Hanks. So I'm like, look, it's Tom Hanks playing Colonel Parker. Um, it's interesting that the story's actually um, largely shown through the eyes of Tom Parker. He's uh, Colonel Parker. Yeah. Tom Parker? I don't yeah, know. Um, so he's the narrative voice that comes, oh, okay. I, I, I took the boy and, you know. Um, I mean, it's a spectacle of note. The singing is great. The, the, um, I love to see the guitar stuff. I mean, I mean, there's James Burton with his Paisley telly there. <laughs> um, you know, even the Sun stuff is wonderful. For, you know, as a music and a guitar guy, that's just really great to to see in here. Um, so it is. It's wonderful. I I did feel found that a little bit jarring. That may have been how I was watching it. I think I did it a bit of a disservice um, watching it on the laptop screen and in parts. Um, I found it interesting that it was told from from Colonel Parker's perspective because uh, in a sense he's, he's a villain of the story which is kind yeah. of revealed and this is why I wouldn't let Elvis tour internationally because he didn't have a passport and he was had all kinds of issues with immigration and a lot of his deals um, while he certainly had the best um, at heart in the beginning he's obviously a businessman he was also a gambler and it turned out he had a whole lot of gambling debts and he kind of sold Elvis out a little bit to cover his own butt gambling wise so there's a lot of that sort of stuff which comes out which is interesting Um, but it is 
inc- an incredible movie in terms of the sets and the costumes and mm. the the spectacle and Las Vegas and the and and the story is very very well done as well. Um, we'll see um, Oscar time has uh, the Oscars happened already? I'm sorry. Uh, I don't think so, uh, but I'm not sure. Because um, I think uh, he he uh, Austin whatever his name is, is is bloody good as Elvis himself. Yes, I think he won the BAFTA and something else. Yeah. I think he's yeah he's, he's he's in line for all the things. The goldy match. So I watched that and and um, yeah, it is it is very 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 good. I think I need to it's actually watch it. Yeah, I need to watch it on a bigger screen in a single sitting to really in, really enjoy it. What have you watched, Bruce? Very nice. Very Check. nice. I've watched and, and few things. I think I must. I watched and few things as well. Um, Brooklyn Nine. Oh, we've also kind the, of had a bit of a re- the, um, reboot of yeah, it. Yeah, it's what season eight, I think. Oh, is the new season? Yes. Is? What are you even talking about? Yes. How is this? Possible? Well, this is the thing. I saw it. I saw it sort of pop up on Netflix. I thought that's an advert <sighs> for the old ones, and I'm like, on Netflix. And I thought I must. I must just check because I'll never forgive myself. So the Crown. Formula One Drive to Survive and Brooklyn Nine-Nine are yeah, all okay. back. They're all favourites and I haven't watched any of them. You're an idiot. Anyway, sake. but uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so I'm, I'm, I think I'm sort of four episodes. New season, look, it says Four here. episodes in. Trending. Stop it. Um, and it's it's just as good. Amazing. And what's lovely is, is it, what's a little bit different is that there's just that sort of utter confidence that it will be watched and it's, and that it matters. So I, I say that at the end of the first episode, you know, there's a, there's a, a serious theme okay because it all comes out also the, and they deal they deal with it very well and very very quickly of like blah 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 this happened COVID uh, okay. Okay. and we're done it's like a talk in the bar kind of right. thing um, but it, it again it, it's not it doesn't shy away from a, a very hard theme um, and it and it doesn't suffer for it you know it doesn't feel kind of all worthy and heavy and you know it, it's just it's just funny and again, it takes. I think it's sort of also. It's quite low, like because it kind of takes you a little bit to get back into the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the pure genius silliness yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, but as soon as you're there, you're just happy again. That's wonderful because um, there was a time when it was cancelled or it had been announced to be cancelled. Then another net network picked it up, and then another network kind of took it back or something. I don't remember. But it's uh, wonderful. I'm how so it happy. doesn't. Yeah. How anybody wouldn't yeah, pick it up? Exactly. You I think that's what I'm thinking. How is this? Um, and then on the other end of the scale, I've just started also watching a new, uh, it's a, I think it is a new kind of franchise as well. It's called The Chelsea Detective okay. on BritBox. And it's just, as I say, very much the other end of the scale. It's a kind of just a very solid, plain guy. Ginger dude. <laughs> Lives on a houseboat because he broke up with his wife and she's, right. she's got the house and da-da-da. You know, the funny little things that you... He's, he's a good, thorough detective, but there's nothing flashy okay. whatsoever. Um, he has a partner who's just had a ba- baby with her hubby and is battling with... You know, again, but just in a very normal, natural way. It's battling with being a mom and a policewoman and a detective. Um, hmm. You know, And he's sort of... Funny little things that you notice. He takes pictures of everything at the on the crime scene yeah. with his phone. He never refers back to it, but you just kind of... He's thorough. Yeah. That's what he does. He's a good he takes, and thorough. Yeah. Um, and Big he's Lebowski. and he's not yes, and he's just not uh, not flashy at all. Um, but I'm finding it again the BritBox in general. You you go to Netflix or, or whatever, and you come back and you're like, it's just a different world. It's so much calmer and kind of more innocent. I mean, you like um, uh, James Herriot, yeah. you, know, you know, whatever. It's just like it, there's nothing. There's nothing here. So that's, civilized. Yes, maybe. there's nothing. That's a good word. There's nothing here that's uncivilized. Well. 
Um, it's a very problematic word, but yes, yes we, yeah. we can understand. Um, so he, you know, he just it's it's just this, it's the stories are strong enough and good enough and it's beautifully made and mm. it's clearly budget and whatever, but it's not spent on you know whatever in Baz Luhrmann terms on bright colors and this and that. Yeah. And the next thing, it's he writes this guy writes to work on a bicycle, blah blah blah, and Lovely. it's it's episode by episode, and we I haven't got. That. We don't know who the person is yet, okay. but it's okay. It's only okay. episode three, so you go to episode four, and some more will unfold, and some more small dramas will take place. Very good, but very satisfying. Not like as you're hearing, not massive, you know, fireworks and this and that and the next thing, but just just satisfying, worthwhile. And it's also one of those good ones where you know, if if you are whatever, if you're married or you're watching, it's not really a kids thing because it's a crime drama, but you know where you're watching with other people and you have sort of violently differing tastes this is one of those that is is satisfying probably middle ground for most people right. you know it doesn't have it just doesn't go to extremes yeah. um so billy joel won't be happy but other than that <laughs> it's fine right nice so how are we doing shall we leap from there to some to some music yeah yes good what have you been listening to well um I'll mention. So I went to uh, Millie Pop to play with yes. my uh, the new Dude, band that massive I joined. Line up there. Yeah, uh, the band that I play with, people can go and listen to as well. They're on Spotify and uh, Apple Music. They are called Crystal Park. Very it's kind nice. of a country tinged um, folk rock vibe. Um, but uh, someone that stayed in our campsite that I hadn't heard of before, who's great, a guy called Jurgens Barnard. Uh, it's also on Spotify and yeah, Apple Music under John Barnard Music. Kind of uh, got some acoustic EPs and things up. He also has a band called Giant Strides. And it's very, very cool. Kind of a Ryan Adams-y, Ooh. Um, Ooh. country-tinged uh, singer-songwriter stuff. But also very, very cool. I recommend that. And I will just mention that I saw a band play on the second night, the same day we played. Um, they were kind of up towards the headliners. That I will just mention, it's a band called Shameless. I would describe them as township metal. So it's a, a band from Soweto who play metal music, kind of dressed in weird leather kilts. Um um, with their shirts off and just rocking three piece bass drums and um, guitar the guitar sound was horrific it sounded like uh, bees in a jar a kind of a metal zone um, <laughs> zoom fiber yeah, one yeah, yeah. Um, but it fit the music perfectly it's like down tuned sort of metal um, I don't know thinking back in terms of like songs that you'd release as your single but as a live act they I just said to Trevor you could not pay me to follow that band they <laughs> destroyed they destroyed the drummer is so as like probably halfway <laughs> through the first number the, the tech was running on and just kind of stood there for the rest of the thing fixing the drums as he was beating them mercilessly to were death were they like falling over or just he hit a cymbal so hard it fell right off the stand onto the floor <laughs> I mean the drummer was but hot like proper I don't know if they, they um, I must read up if they were studying at Witzel but proper musicians and so he could play dynamically very softly oh, and then man. but when he was grooving he was like give him a new drum kit every gig shameless. pretty much shameless and do be, do be careful because there's a Glaswegian sort of rock band from the 90s also called Shameless okay. but, but they're also yeah. very good so it's a nice mistake to make if you're so doing live eventually the drummer was up so he would like get up and, and then he played on the side of the lighting rig and you know I love early just ginger days um, and 
and then would rock melt your face off and the bass player was like hot to death he just stood there he was quite chilled in like an adidas track suit and, and rocked um so again i don't know i don't know uh, commercially or or that sort of side but in terms of live man they were like there was a band that came on after the sea of green who were looked like a put together corporate band they were just all perfect and they did all this kind of and i watched one song and i was like oh, i can't anymore these Shame. guys are so white although they were great no, they are, exactly if you've seen them before different story but yeah. it's, that's very important to get that right from but a, i was a like production point of view i'm done you, yeah these, these guys have just rocked but it's also but again sucker. wonderful now that we're talking about about you know this this new writer that i've found and are you talking this one that we found yeah because it just doesn't happen all that often um and then you want to go and see them again i mean like black cat bones yeah you have good friends you know andre is a friend of ours yeah. and whatever whatever and when you see them play live the first time it, it's also it kind of has that sort of ah, feeling mm. um and the, but then you again even in that case then you kind of get used to it and it's, it's great to just be kicked in the face by so they by a performance yeah, black again. cat bones played on the fr- friday night that they was um opened for the headliner which was van pletzen his I don't know if you've seen old Peach mm. Van Pletsen. He's fantastic. He he mixes English and Afrikaans so brilliantly. And it's just this party band. So it's him okay. and then a DJ behind him. And it's just awaken the lackerness. Awaken the lackerness. <laughs> the lackerness is just to feel. You know, like it's very funny and ridiculous and amazingly That's funny. Beautifully done. Yeah, it's just great. So, who's, the, uh, who's the guy with the big cap? Jack? Uh, Jack Parrow. Jack yeah, Parrow. Yeah, that sort of, kind of, sort of yeah. vibe, but not as absolutely filthy. Uh, and disgustingly yeah terrible um so so yeah and then uh sea of green then was a young band uh played after them called black motels or man motels or something like that they black, were like hotels were used they to sounded be. like the the hives they were oh, okay. really great. Oh, great and then there was another vorsifisser or someone that's some guy afterwards um who was really good as well anyway um but uh, yeah a really cool festival beautiful um, everything was on the incline the whole time. There was just everything. All your te- tents were set up on these rolling hills. So mm. I would wake up in the morning, falling face against the that. door. Oh, we must talk about your tent, which gave up the ghost. <laughs> Came back halfway through the second day, and one of the tent poles had just snapped and poked through the tent. So it's not ideal. We'll have to replace right. that for you. Anyway, um, what are you listening? Okay, to? so uh, do get your notepads out for this album title because it's it's not easy. Uh, the Phantasm at Lake Wallen Palpak. Sure. The Phantasm at Lake Wallen Park. Who's that by? By the Fever Dolls. Okay. Just what a cool band. It, this is, um, yeah, I just I stumbled across one song of theirs and then went and looked up the album. That's that's the album, and it's all great. Uh, but the song that really um, it got me sort of very excited and, and listening and what it was called, All the Best Debts. Now, very cool. If you, uh, a good way for me of putting it is, is sort of B-52s meets new pornographers, which basically ah. means very, very melodic, very energetic, lots of great, um, lots of great melodies and harmonies. Um, and, and then sort of indie rock shot through all of that. And it's just, it's a big song, man. It's, 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 it's quite long and it's, and it's, it's dense and it doesn't make any apologies and you don't want it to end and there's lots of singing and there's lots of guitars um, and I just yeah it's every it just works for me it's, it's kind of it, also if you sort of read the lyrics um, you know if you the lyrics in isolation you could go oh that sounds quite heavy and blah 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 you know the first line so you stumbled and you fell in the dirt now you drink more than you make it to work yeah. you know? 
but it's but the the key and the the feeling and whatever of it you know is just not negative in any sense it's just a very affirming song it's just fantastic man um very cool fever fever dolls fever dolls you know, would you talk back if they hit your jaw back would you crumble would you crawl would you grab them by the collar and drag oh. them out on their ass gosh so <laughs> again it's ass. quite it's quite serious sort of themes and stuff but it's just it's just amazingly done and then the rest of the uh, of the album is is good for me that's a very much a standout song but it's a standout song full stop for anybody um and and on that album it, it you know it doesn't it doesn't overshadow everything 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 is great everything um, is awesome everything is awesome so let me try that again what is, what is it called wait I've lost the notes something now. at lake something or other there we go that's the one um, it's called The Phantasm which is a good at word at lake so I mean if you just just google Phantasm how much is it going to come up The Phantasm at lake Wallen Powpack Fever Dolls uh, very highly recommended it's, it's just nice to recommend things isn't it yes, it is nice any sort you can of, actually yeah. really recommend um, so alright let's, let's play a tune fine fine um, and I think we may have played already but it's the one that the file opened on and as you know that's about the extent of the planning that we do you're repeating yourself here no it might be but it's it's a long time ago I'm using my daughter's um, acoustic guitar the classical that was given to me by Kurt Cobain Rosenberg oh. um, our Swedish correspondent has become my daughter's guitar or will one day be So this one's called Come Out and Play and just do that really. Yeah, good. Do it. Play it. I'll mess around.
gotta change my point of view Take off these dark shades Let in the light rays I've lost the and well computed in the middle listen to the ace uh, you might have heard a little break in the in the lead guitar track as Stefan the engineer uh, fixed our audio track wow you don't very nice alright well that's a bit of fun on the porous podcast with Bruce Dennell and Stefan Voss find us on Facebook interact with us on all the places that Send song is called message. Come Out and Play Come go and, and play. find that on all the, the downloady streamy things and is have a nice day and share it with people yes, very good yes, really nice, nice. Lovely. Um, but yes, thank you for joining us. And very nice things to read and watch and listen to. So do go and, go and do your homework because it's uh, nice. It's just lovely that this is this is the good stuff. You know, we all moan about the bad stuff about and the, the youth of today. The myriad, the, but the dross. Lovely, lovely. All right, friends. Very good. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye the now. Flip flop. Goodbye.